Whoever signed up drew putt to read the reading about a woman making her way in a very unexpected way for the rest of her life out into an unknown future wins the prize for Sunday morning. That was fantastic. The way of Jesus is easy, we just heard. In case you missed it in all of those words and all those readings, did you hear that? The way of Jesus is easy, like rest, we just heard, like following along in play, like the words on your karaoke machine to make it really clear, easy, like a feast, it says, if you like that, like discipline, it says, if you like that. You are invited, it is easy. You're invited as you are. An easy yoke together our natural way of being, the gospeler writes. Or maybe it is like an arranged marriage, as we heard read for Rebecca in Genesis, a vast unknown in a world where the unknown might be better than the known. Or maybe it is like knowing what is right or what we think is right and finding ourselves not doing it. Sometimes I wonder when the alarm rings in the morning whether I will be getting out of bed now or in nine minutes. <laughs> sometimes I even wonder whether I will be exercising or not. It feels unknown to me sometimes, I tell you all often. Who is deciding that? Sometimes it doesn't feel like me at all because I know what I ought to do and even what I want to do. And then there are bigger versions of that, right? They are the ways that we act because horrible things, difficult things have happened in the past and it's the way we know how to be, but it's not who we are anymore. It's actually not the reality on the ground around us, but here we go again. We say that in our politics a lot. Or our own personal histories, right? What our childhood was like or what even 20 years ago was like or maybe even last year our therapists make a lot of money on this. All the spiritual traditions say, please try to live in this moment. But it is so difficult that all of them say it and have been saying it for thousands and thousands of years. It's almost impossible. Like Paul, we carry the burden of everywhere we've been, everywhere our people have been, every tragedy, every hope, every, every loss, and there are new ones every day how to be present right now, and maybe to use slightly different language than Paul. I'm not saying all those things are sin. Paul's pretty tough on himself and probably should have been, right? But I'm not saying it's all sin, but that idea, right, that you would do things differently if you really had control of yourself in the way that you wanted. All of us have a little bit of that. There's a lot of work there for all time. And so, Paul says, we have the law, even though we are free in Christ, even though we are invited so generously to life in Christ and together, we get the law. That seems really straightforward, except the law, like our law, their law, keeps changing. But, but he says the law, the rules, that Paul is referring to, those ones from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you're bored right now, you can go in and look. There's a lot of them. They have from everything to do from how you wash your hands and how you go to the washroom, maybe even how you eat and how you lay that out, how you cook it, how you organize your farm and your community, your children, your neighbors, outsiders. So we have the law. 
They're the ones for the ordering of our days and the ones for ordering our common life because left to our own devices, we are all like Paul. The tiredness or maybe even the focus of what seems like the right way or the only way just seems to roll on forward or backward and we are carried along with it, though we thought we were responsible at least for ourselves. So earlier this week, I got stung by a carpenter bee, a female one, because only the female ones can sting, I learned on Google. It was a scandal because everyone knows carpenter bees don't sting. That says that on Google as well. They are our local indigenous bee. They don't hive. Those are the European honeybees that have invaded our nation um, and are the ones that we all know and love. They're adorable. The carpenter bees have little family units, and usually it's the male that we see buzzing around. They're really sweet and round. They make those holes in your leaves. They attack the wood of your house, and for that we're all sorry, it's awful. But they're very sweet, and if you get in their way of a male carpenter bee, it just kind of bops you. I've done it most of my life, and it just kind of touches you. It's kind of soft, because it doesn't have a stinger. So I managed this week to disturb a whole nest, I think, trying to plant pollinators in our front yard. So, yeah, we are such a quick church. I was going to give you a minute, but you don't need a minute. Yeah, I was planting pollinators, plants to attract bees when stung by a bee, right? The injustice of it literally still stings. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So this bee rose angry out of a hole in the cover of the, those things that we all have in front of our house where the city water pipe meets your plumbing, right? There's a little thing there and little regulators there, and there's a hole in it. It came straight up like a drone. You could tell it was mad. Somehow I had shaken up her home enough that she came after me and pretty ragey and I learned on Google that they can sting repeatedly. I didn't know that at the time because that's not how the other bee works. And I learned on Google that they remember you because they remember your face. Yeah, when you come back to clean up the mess that you left while fleeing the first time. And did I mention that I was planting pollinators? <laughs> so it took me a few minutes to understand what had happened. I had bought plants to attract bees, and they did immediately. And in my plan to plant them near the other bee-attracting plants, other pollinators, which were also doing their job very well, but I hadn't been paying attention, I disrupted a home of the very thing I was trying to attract and support because it was already there and not able to understand my good intentions. And I was so intent in my good intentions that says a lot about me and my personality that I didn't think to get out of there when the bee rose so intently out of its hole and came at my face because I was there to help, of course, I thought, while continuing my little task for far too long. I also thought, what a great sermon illustration for the Romans passage of doing what we do not want to do and not doing what we want to do, why we sometimes need the law, the rules, to live into our perfect freedom in Christ. Our good intentions, our good plans, are so vulnerable to us and our choices and our limits moment after moment in so many aspects of our lives, 
We are just trying to help. Sherilyn Eiffel, the former head of the NAACP Legal Fund, is among the newest recruits to Howard University's all-star team of scholars working on the future of our democracy. And it is nothing smaller than that, our whole nation's understanding of itself. You might remember and know this history that in the 1950s at Howard at the Law School, the storied Howard University in DC, Charles Hamilton Houston was the dean at the time and with great intention workshopped and taught for over a decade his students um, as different ways to approach the end of Jim, ending of Jim Crow, completely unimaginable, an unimaginable future, and particularly discrimination in housing and public education. This was in the era of separate but equal, but not really equal at all. This was the era of students like Thurgood Marshall and Polly Murray after the end of World War II, architects of a legal philosophy of equality unrealized in this nation after the Civil War. So Sherilyn Eiffel is taking on a similar grand project of equality in establishing what is called the 14th Amendment Center for Law and Democracy. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so I had to look this up. Why the 14th Amendment? Why only that? She writes, at this moment of democratic crisis in our country, we must return to the 14th Amendment and its powerful and pragmatic conception of a post-Civil War America grounded in the values of equality, justice, and a reimagined vision of citizenship. So the 14th Amendment is where we get the phrase equal protection under the law. It is where the formerly enslaved, the recently enslaved, became naturalized citizens. We're hearing about that in the news these days which is what all of us, except Native Americans, are, some from very far past in our own families and some very recently. It is what gave the formerly enslaved the right to enjoy the rights and responsibilities of all of us who find ourselves on this spot, on this planet, in this country. It is what is being contested and tested in our courts today and our legislatures from trans people's right to live freely and receive appropriate medical care to the right to teach our histories fully, who gets served in our businesses and speaks to historic failures and just outright evil and equity disparity. So often in our history based on racial discrimination manifesting in the violence of generational poverty, which we see in our news devastating every single day in this city. It is the law that, that equips us to be better, to do what we ought to do, despite our individual weaknesses and powerlessness for the most vulnerable in our society, to not do what we ought not to do, those things which are so often solely in our own interest to have a guide against our own apathy and destructiveness, to build up the generations left vulnerable to the whims and prejudices of the few and powerful. There is an ease in freedom, the Bible tells us, in living our lives side by side, yoked together, a common fabric, the prophets tell us, bound together, the preachers say, an ease in common work, the way it's supposed to be a restoring of what should be, of what we are made for, but it takes our work. And getting that right is also a struggle. The idea of the law, the law is never permanent or still. Again, have a look in Leviticus or Deuteronomy if you want to see how it shifts. We see it in our own Bible. 
We can go back to see the law that Paul is citing and then see its twists and turns as different groups with different interests, different understandings, different agendas struggle in our own text. Isaac must marry from his own people, he thinks, and that later becomes one of the laws at the time it is their custom. A people unknown to him, he had grown up far away, but his sons' sons will be saved by foreigners and actually will marry them. His brother Ishmael is becoming and other people already. It is always so much more complicated, even in the Bible. So in the end of my story, I planted one very small plant well. I left one very well fertilized whole empty, and one plant has died. My neighbor killed the bee when it started attacking her as well. <laughs> she wasn't as distracted as I was by what a great sermon illustration this was about to be. <laughs> my attempt to do a good deed was well punished. There were already bees there, nested and settled in a man-made plumbing juncture. All the buzzing threat of a bee is almost worse than the sting, isn't it? You think you should be able to get away and you know you won't. Like the guns on the street that sound like firecrackers or the Nazis marching at a synagogue in our own place, people like you and me, furious that home has been disrupted, the walls are shaking, the threat clearly defined, all the rest of us. How can freedom and equality, opportunity, fairness, restoration, peace, diversity be threatening? But it is, and we see it all around us. It is like planting flowers, a tearing up of what has been for the possibility of a regeneration, sustenance for the long journey, for a future we will see together. Isn't it remarkable that it is the 14th Amendment that is at the heart of our current struggles? It is not a scattered fight on all fronts, it is one front, the one that says there will no longer be slavery in this nation, and tells us what it would take to begin to rectify that history for real flesh and blood people like us. For we do what we do not want to do and do not do what we should, even the descendants of the enslaved at times. But we are called to more, so much more friends, yoked together in Jesus' promise of freedom from all that binds us to sin. The flute is being played, it says, the drums sounded, the table laid. So come, let us take up the invitation, let us sing and dance, drink and eat at the table of the Lord's promise for generations and generations and generations. <laughs>